This is Bob Camp, Next Up Business, and I'm excited to welcome Tommy Wynn today. He's the COO and co-founder of Storage Pug, has an amazing story about how he got there. But before we go there, Tommy, can you tell me a little about how did you get to where you are today? Bob, thank you so much for, for having me on. You know, something that we, we tell our sales team is uh, we're nice people and we sell websites. <laughs> so I think like what makes me me, I think it's like this this focus on being kind to people, this focus on I think if you're nice to people, you go a lot further. You win more often than you lose if you're just a kind-hearted person. Uh, and you treat people with kindness and you kill them with kindness. And <laughs> right. And I think so if I had to pick one word to describe who I am as an individual, as a person, as a leader, as a startup founder, I think it's, it's kindness. But uh, I love that question. Thanks for asking it. <laughs> you and I first met just been five or six years ago before or right about the time storage pug was starting. And one of the things that really clicked with me we both connect on this piece of always do what's right for your client. It is that element of kindness. It's that element of being sincere about what you're trying to do for them, not to them. It's your philosophy, not just for your clients, but it seems to be core to who you are in life. Yeah, I think like if you go back to the beginning of time for me and for my family, uh, we came to the United States when I was a kid. I was a baby, uh, born in Vietnam. My uh, mom was uh, raised us here in the U.S. and uh, it was her goal to, you know, as most immigrant families are, uh, your kids should do better than you. Right. And so like from the beginning of my life, that was my premise. <laughs> that was my that's what I knew was that whatever it is that we're doing, it's to help the person that we're doing it for do better than what you could do. Um, and I guess like that sentiment really stuck with me uh, that extended beyond, uh, of course, just like, you know, career and family. Right. Of course, uh, every immigrant mom wants their son to be or daughter to be uh, a doctor or a lawyer, an engineer. And uh, that that's the, the stereotype. And it wasn't not true in my family. My mom always wanted me to follow one of those paths. And uh, I almost did. I was almost a doctor. And uh, well, I say almost. I was my senior year at UT uh, when I switched from uh, my medical career path to uh, computer science. And so I got one of the three. I became an engineer. And uh, that um, that's that. You know, so I was able to cross that off of my mom's list. But ultimately, like with my upbringing and and what I knew was like, hey, whatever it is that we're doing, let's be kind and take care of the person after us. And I think that carried me into adulthood, and this definitely uh, reverberated in you know all the various startups and companies that I've been a part of. And and I think that's a big part of who we are at Storage Pug, not just. Uh, kindness to clients, which obviously, this me, that's like, there's no other way of, do, of doing business, you know? Like, like it's so fundamental that it's like, that's the only way to do it. But kindness to the people who work here, right? Like, treat the people that you work with well. Uh, again, to me, that also sounds very obvious, but uh, something that we try to focus on here. But something that I've learned now that I'm in my early 30s and I have a baby of my own, and I get to raise her, and she gets to become the 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 thing that's better than I had as a, you know growing up is kindness to yourself and uh, learning what that means because I think that means different things to different people. Uh, but for me, it's been definitely a journey of like, what does that mean for me? And 
Uh, and that's been interesting. I'm still learning that, so I'm, I'm, I'm not an expert in that part yet, but I'm definitely uh, trying to live the be kind to others and, and, and treat people well philosophy. I'm learning now, okay, what does it mean to be kind to myself? Um, so all, all very interesting musings, of course, uh, as uh, uh, someone who's just now in his early 30s, has a kid, has a crazy fast-growing business, um, and I think being kind to, kind to myself is... Uh, while maybe not been my forefront and a focus and important to me to get here, I do realize that it's a key critical component as I get into year 35 and year 40 and storage pug gets into year 10 and year 20. Your child to daughter, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yeah. She's uh, <laughs> Vera. She's uh, she, she turns eight weeks old this week. So awesome. Isn't that wild? Like two it months is wild. goes by. I, I can't. And we're still counting her age in weeks. <laughs> but uh, it's it, it's absolutely bonkers how fast time is going by. <laughs> what does that mean to you? having a child now you know i think all the things they say is true is is all the cliches are very much true and you know something that my mom always said and I'm, i think most this is not not maybe not unique to my mom but i think a lot of parents probably have this is like when you have your own kids you will understand <laughs> and i finally understand you know you always think you do right but like the amount of love you can have for one little tiny being is is just phenomenal it's it's outrageous it's uh really like up until the day that she was born i thought i knew what love was you know what i mean like you love your you love your parents you love your wife you love your pets and of course you very much love your wife and uh and so much like love there but then the baby comes along and it's like oh not only did my appreciation for the baby is like unimaginable and i could never have um quantified it right i could have never told you in words how i feel i still probably can't today but the amount of love I have for my wife to for the process that she went through to bring Vera to us, uh, you know, the bond is, is ever so much stronger. So um, being a father has been just absolutely incredible. So now it's my chance to be like, OK, my mom did what she did for me and my two younger siblings to for us to be successful in life and have everything we needed. Uh, even though we didn't have a lot, we felt like we had everything we needed. And I think that was that was my truth in my reality growing up and now a chance to see what that looks like for Vera right I think she will not grow up wanting for a lot and uh, that's what I wanted and that's what my mom wanted for our kid uh, for my future kids and navigating that will be interesting right because her Vera's childhood and her upbringing will be not will be quite stark from what I went through and picking the lessons that I learned and applying those and leaving behind the lessons that I don't care to teach her. <laughs> she doesn't need to know some of the stuff that I went through, you know? And I think like, that's a cool challenge that I'm seeing as a parent. It's like, okay, okay. Getting a feel for it. Uh, but I think what, what makes this process easier is uh, I mentioned my wife and the bond and the love that we've grown for each other just in the last two months. And uh, she's an incredible mom and uh, getting to learn how to be a parent with her Oh, my gosh. I have such a head start. <laughs> I'm going to say this phrase and tell me if it fits a little bit about who you are. I think about great leaders. They're willing to step into the fire and do what others aren't willing to do. And that includes starting a business. That includes defining a culture that is not what everybody tells you it needs to be. 
And there are people who are going to go, man, just go get a job, work for somebody. So how did you decide from going down this, this pre-med space to getting computer science? What drove you to do that? Yeah, I mean, we talk about the lessons that, that we want to to you know, reteach you know, the, uh, our children and the next generation and things we want to pass on and things we didn't want to pass on, right? And my mom, she um, had a third grade education from Vietnam. Uh, Vietnam, and, and when she grew up, girls didn't really go to school. And that was just that was just the way it was. And so she worked. Uh, she worked at the marketplace with my grandma, or her mom. And uh, when she came to America, uh, we struggled quite a bit and uh you know she worked as a hotel maid for a short time uh and then by the time we moved to knoxville tennessee uh where we've been ever since she worked at the levi's factory we had a really cool uh levi's factory uh here on cherry street uh and then of course they closed down and so here she is again left without uh, a way to provide a living and a and afford uh, a life for her family her kids Right. And so she hopped on the struggle bus and figured out what she had to do to eventually own her own business. And like that was, again, my reality. That was my that was that's what I knew. That was status quo to me. Right. Like you hit in the teeth, you get up and you go do something different. Right. And so like I had that advantage. And is that a lesson that I want to pass on? I don't know. I, you know, like I this is a this is interesting to me. Right. This is like the, the dichotomy. It's like. I took so much value from that, but like, do I want Vera to also have to learn that in that way? I don't think so. I want her to learn the lesson, but I think I'm going to find a different, unique way for her to learn that, right? So growing up now, now that I, again, in my early thirties, looking back, we were, I didn't know this until like, like literally like last month, we grew up in subsidized housing. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, like you didn't, you know, you have what you have, you have your, your food, you have your roof, you have your water. And as a kid, like, what else do you need? You know, you have your TV. Uh, and, uh, so like, okay, that was me. But again, this, this, my status quo was like, you get hit with hard times and it's okay. Life is going to happen and you find something else and you do it again. And so that was always my take. And so the, that lesson that my mom taught me, indirectly of like hey we don't have an education uh we don't speak english that well we're not really um we're not part of the small business ecosystem that exists right like when you're an immigrant and you're not part and you're not plugged in i mean honestly when you're even not an immigrant when you don't know that it exists there are many people who were born and raised in knoxville who don't know about the amenities that are available to us if we wanted to start a business you know what i mean uh mm -hmm. but but for her uh not to be able to do that was uh was it was so scary and so eventually she did the things she start you know uh, got her licenses did her education got all the things together so that i wouldn't have to worry about that when i became an adult and again because that was my reality that was my status quo that was what I shaped my life on. So uh, I worked in the restaurant industry uh, in high school and in college. So I uh, got my, uh, my, uh, all of my customer service lessons during those formidable years and uh, formative years. And the, uh, what I came to realize was like, you know what? I don't know that I will ever want to work for somebody 
like straight up they're just people that uh i just don't know that that's for me i don't want to like report to somebody because then my destiny is reliant on them <laughs> and how kind they are and uh so by the time i came to the, that conclusion i had already switched to computer science and knew from the moment on was like hey after i graduate i want to start some kind of tech company do some kind of software do some kind of tech thing that's going to help other people do well and i didn't know what it was going to be but I knew that I wanted to do something along those lines. So uh, I'm pretty proud to say I've never actually worked for somebody. I've never worked for a big company. So like all the things that we're doing now, scaling sales teams, scaling our marketing team, building out product, developing, uh, hiring developers, uh, building out client success teams and onboarding teams, I have never experienced those things out of, yeah, I've never seen the end product. Right. And so that brings its own challenges because we don't know what we're building towards. But on the flip side, I say it's again, because it's status quo for me, uh, I think it's a really cool opportunity because now we get to do it in our way. And we don't have to, like you said, do it a certain way just because someone said so. (laughs) Just because someone said this is how you're supposed to do sales. This is how you're supposed to do marketing. This is how you're supposed to build product. This is how you're supposed to treat customers. We get to do what we think is best and what we think is right because we don't have a mold to fill into. We're building the mold as we do it. Um, so, um, so I think that's pretty interesting, right? Uh, but I think like the calling is, yeah, watching what my mom went through and then her journey and then going through my experiences working in restaurants and some of my early jobs. It's like, you know, I don't know that this is the life for me. <laughs> I don't know that I want to clock in, clock out, and and report to somebody who, you know, like no offense to anybody, but who might not be as smart as me. Not that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but the idea of like reporting to someone who I know is not as brilliant, like that bothers me. Or not even like like, like remove intelligence out of the way. And again, not necessarily the smartest guy in the room, but like someone who's not going to work as hard. The idea that I am going to report to someone who's not going to show up and work as hard as me, that is demoralizing. And I didn't want to be exposed to that because, you know, that happens. That happens in most jobs. And it hurts my heart to think that people like that's the reality that they that's their status quo. That's their reality. Um, So in my early 20s, I knew that that wasn't for me. And so whatever, whether I'm going to win, succeed, lose, fail, I want it to be on my own accord and I want it to be my doing. And uh, that's what set this off. And. Here we are 10 years later from then, uh, from that moment. Uh, so that's how it, that's how it came to be. That's excellent. I, I keep thinking about the lesson that, that in, in this case, my dad taught me. It was more of a, you need to work smarter and you need to work harder. They have to come together. At some point in time, you don't have to work as hard. But, man, getting it off the ground, getting it built, it takes a lot of work. And, and you need to love what you're doing. One of the things that I've heard you say when building your marketing and your sales organization, your delivery organization, all those things, you said obsess about your customer and your customer's problem. And that philosophy, uh, I really embrace that because then you don't have to follow someone else's sales methodology, which is about pushing a customer into a corner possibly, or what someone thinks it needs to be if they came from corporate sales and they were being pushed to push to push deals your obsession with doing for lack of better terms the right thing for your client is 
is uh, permeates everything that you say. I think we touched on kindness at the top of the of the of the interview, right? And I think like obsessing about someone's problem is our way to deliver kindness. Right? That is our vessel. If I know what you're dealing with and I know what you're struggling with and I know what keeps you up at night, I can deliver answers and that is the kindness that I bring, right? The answers might not be pay storage pug and pay Tommy or pay us and we'll do these things for you. No, the answer just might be, hey, go talk to Joe Schmo, the stranger. Go read this resource. Go watch this webinar. Go visit this other business owner, right? I think the solution isn't always sign up for pay for the product. And I think because we have taken that approach, help don't sell, that's allowed us to deliver kindness uh, without having to do some of those things that traditional sales organizations do, like you mentioned, push people into a corner, right? And so our ability to just cons- always um, not think about how our product fits into their life specifically, right? But think about how our product potentially could solve or remove a roadblock or remove a hurdle. Because that's the way we build the product, it's just natural to always be obsessing about what they're dealing with because then that allows us – it's a win-win. If you have problems and I can solve those problems, you're more likely to work with me than Joe Schmo the stranger. You know what I mean? And so, like, it is really, to me, like, fundamentally, it's that easy. I don't see any other way of doing business. And so because of that, we've created this culture around let's just always obsess about what they're dealing with. Whether we are on the marketing team and we have to create great messaging, we're on the sales team where we have to do really uh, thorough and enhanced uh, discovery, all the way over to onboarding and client success and where we're actually taking care of the person, right? We literally, obviously, on the delivery side, have to very much obsess about their problems because we have to solve them. Uh, we've agreed. We've promised them. We've, we have a business contract that says we will solve your problems, right? Uh, we won't solve all your problems, but we're going to solve the problems that we promised to deliver on. Um, and so because of that, because of the way that our company kind of is structured and put together, the foundation is built on obsessing about what our customers think about. Uh, and so be- because the root of it is, is delivering kindness, it ends up just working out really well. You know, like, like I don't know if you've read the book Delivering Happiness uh, by uh, Tony Shea, uh, the founder of Zappos, the shoe company. Uh, great book to read. It's short read. I think it's one of those where you can pick up and be done with it within a day and didn't even know that you read a book. Um, but I really think that that's what it is. It's obsessing about uh, what, what the problem customer wants to solve and the delivering the happiness or the kindness that's going to make their day better. That's all they did. That's all they did at Zappos, and that's all we're really, at the end of the day, the core of our business. That's all we're trying to do here. Now, of course, to be fair and honest, we're a B2B business. That's all sounds like uh, hippy-dippy and like, uh, you know, we want to change the world. And while we do want to do that, we understand our scope. And I think that has been the growth journey for me is like, of course, everyone sets off and they want to change the world and create things that move the earth and change the way our culture and society thinks about problems. Yeah, of course we all want to do that. But something that's allowed me as an individual and Storage Pug as a company to unlock that next level is understand, okay, we have to start at our scope. We can't just go in and like completely 
well, you know, I want to say dominate or disrupt as a, as a keyword or buzzword, disrupt the real estate industry or disrupt the self-storage industry. That's the wrong way. That For us, that was the, not the right way to look at it. I'm sure there are companies who can and do that. All right, you think about the Apples of the world and the Microsofts and the Googles. Yeah, they came in and they completely wrecked the way society works. Storage Pug, we knew that that was not, that was not our kindness to deliver. Our kindness to deliver was to the self-storage, the business operator who wants to create a legacy for his family or her family and wanted their kids to go to college and they want to create a good uh, uh, retirement fund for their family. That's that's who that's who we want to deliver our kindness to. By doing that well and obsessing about that and doing that consistently, we think that we can have a much higher vantage point for when we do decide, hey, you know what? Let's broaden our scope. Let's blow up beyond the B2B self-storage SaaS that we're in. But we have to get to that vantage point first. And so I think somewhere along the last five years, we realized that. I don't even know that we've ever said those words out loud. To be honest, like I think those are just like the the partner, my partners, and I think we just like telepathically, like okay, let's just focus on what we do really well, and let's focus there, and allow the rest of it kind of work itself out. And then once we get to a vantage point that we feel confident in, we can go beyond what we do now. Uh, so, so that, you know, I'm, I'm rambling now because I think those are all thoughts that we've had that I've finally put into words. <laughs> that, that's awesome, and it's this element of. This is not a slogan on a wall. This is not what you tell your clients. This is your culture, and you use that word. That is the critical piece. It's the culture that permeates into solving problems and obsesses about solving problems for your clients. And I, I like the way, like you said, the extension is it's not just that we're providing the scope of the technical solution that we deliver. The benefit beyond that is is really the kindness that permeates into someone else's life as you said to be able to help their family maybe they're building toward their retirement and their kids going to college whatever it is but it's helping them in their future life and you're taking a problem off their plate so they can do as as i've heard said go deal with the other problems (laughs) but they don't have to worry about this one I love that. I love that. Go deal with the other problems. That is so true. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about how did you get to Storage Pug? Yeah, we, we lucked into a lot of things. Luck is a, a key and necessary ingredient, uh, like iodine in your in your table salt. It's, it's, it's a key and necessary ingredient to, uh, to getting anywhere, uh, or at least it has been for me, and it has been for Storage Pug, I think. Uh, before Storage Pug, I was I was working at uh, I started this software agency, and we built honestly to be honestly and, and, and honest to, to 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 the world and to myself, we really just built anything, uh, right? Like we we thought our our core purpose was to build cool stuff and build cool stuff for cool people, and so whether it was working on a Bluetooth app or a digital Geiger counter or um, you know, any of the cool little projects that we did, it was like, the idea was like, let's build cool stuff for people. Um, big or small. Right. And we had some projects that went really awesome. We had some projects that didn't go awesome. And, uh, you know, like that, that takes a toll on you after a minute. But then also like, I think the other thing is like, it's feast or famine, right? Like when you're building software for other people, some days you might have a lot of projects and some days you might have no projects. And that wasn't a life, 
uh, style that uh, I wanted to be in for that much longer. And so it was always our goal. My goal was like, hey, let's eventually find a product that we can sink our teeth into that is ours, that we can develop and grow and nurture and be the gift to the world, right? And, and uh, all these big, broad things. Um, but one day, my partner, uh, Matt, his, uh, he was let go from his job. Uh, he, he was one of those people who had to work for a boss who was not smarter than him, that did not work as hard as him, that would show up at 10 a.m. and expect you to be there at 8, right? And, like, that's the kind of person that that, that, that was the environment that he was in. And uh, the best thing that ever happened to him probably was to be let go. And so he reached out to me. and was like, hey, and, you know, we met in college. And he reached out to me. and was like, hey, Tommy, like, hey, uh, I'm in a situation. Don't have a job. Just bought a house. So, like, I got to pay the mortgage. Uh, can we just team up? Can we, you know, he knew that I was doing uh, software agency work and he was a software developer. So I was like, hey, that makes sense to me. Let's team up. Let's, let's work on some projects together. So we did. We worked on a few different projects and it, things were going really well. And then his family owns a self-storage facility. Lo and behold. Of all things that his family does, they own a self-storage business. And so um, at the time, they were using just a you know website marketing company. And what they wanted more functionality out of their website. They wanted the ability for people to like conduct business, rent from them, pay them, all the stuff that you'd expect a modern business to provide. And so uh, Matt brought that project onto our radar and was like, hey, what if we did this as a as a agency project? We'll just build it and charge them and we move on and so we sent them a proposal met with them they said no thank you (laughs) and we realized very quickly what it means to really know your customer we didn't know our customer we didn't know that the cell storage business owner doesn't want to manage software (laughs) they don't want a software platform that they are responsible for we didn't know that um so we went back to drawing board and came back with them a few weeks later say hey you know what what if we own the software and you just subscribe to it. They said, ding, ding, ding. That is way better. That's exactly what we were looking for. We wanted a tech partner, not someone to build a software. So like, okay, that makes sense. And so that was five years ago. That was the spring of 2017. We started this project and then we realized while we're working on this project, how big an opportunity uh, it was. Cell storage is not, is not small. It's not... Uh, Right, I guess these days it's it's hit the news. It's it's a lot more uh, popular. Uh, people know more about self storage than they did five years ago. But it's a forty billion dollar industry, or thirty eight. You know, rounding up here, it's a forty billion dollar industry. There's sixty thousand of these facilities all across the U.S., which is more than like McDonald's and Burger Kings combined, which is a crazy amount of uh, 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 of business. And so we decided, you know what? Let's not just build this platform for one facility. Let's make it work for as many as we want. And that was that was it. That was five years ago. Um, and uh, we uh, developed a platform, launched it. And um, we at that around that time, we decided, you know what? Let's just focus on one thing. This, this, this is the product. This is the thing that we've always talked about wanting to do. So we shut down everything else and just focused on storage pod. That was 2017. Yeah, here we are now. <laughs> so let's talk more about that decision really to focus because a lot of individuals, a lot of companies, you know, they're, they're doing something and they create this side hustle, hoping it turns into something. But until you dedicate, and, and there was a great research paper that was done out of, I think it was Penn State a few months ago, I read, 
where if you have plan B, plan A doesn't get done, and you made plan A, which was storage pug, and you decided to go all in on it. Right. So, I mean, you know, I think to be, this is something I, I remind our team, our sales team, you know, we, 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 they, we have great quarters, we have great months, but it's like, hey, we're still working towards plan A. <laughs> <laughs> Plan B could come kick us in the teeth any time. There, there could be Storage Rottweiler uh, who could come and pull the rug out from under us, right? And uh, that was a lesson I learned from uh, really smart people uh, who said, you know, you can do great. You can do amazing things. But one do- there will be a day come a day where you wake up, and it might not even be an instant moment. You might not be the shiny new thing on the block anymore. You might not be the best in class anymore because you focus on the wrong things you might not be the nicest people you might not be the best anymore it's like dang that's crazy right and so that allowed us to refocus our obsession again back to what the customer deals with right because those are always the best solution for the struggle that they're dealing with then theoretically we're always going to be the best option and so, but but going back to the plan A, plan B, yeah, I think plan A was like, hey, let's go do this thing. Let's make sure that it works. Um, and plan B would be like, hey, let's go figure something else out. Like, let's shut it, let's shut it down. And so, we never actually even consider plan B. Uh, what, there, there's this. I, I don't know that I love this this uh, this this story, uh, this or this analogy because it might be insensitive. But uh, the, the someone told us to, to us in the early days the. Uh, Cortez, when uh, he came over on his ship from Spain, uh, when they landed, they burned all the ships. There was no going back. And so that sent the message like, hey, we have to make this work. And while that's an insensitive story, that was kind of the mentality that we took was like, hey, there's no going back. There's no plan B. This is it. So, you know, those first year, those first two years, you know, we didn't pay ourselves. We struggled, busted. We, um, my wife was very patient. <laughs> she, uh, I, I think that's a key to success. If luck is one, then finding a partner who supports you and supports your wild dreams is, is another uh, uh, necessary ingredient to success. Because I think when you, if you don't have that, there's just so many forces. There are, there are already so many forces fighting against you as you're out there trying to build something that doesn't exist before. And if the person you love most or the partner that, that's supposed to support you doesn't support you, that's demoralizing too, right? And so Sophie is a saint uh, by all measures of the word. And um, but but that plan A was, hey, let's go do this. So we put down cash uh, between between the two of us. We put down what money we had and said, you know, let's make this last. Let's if we can't figure this out by within six months, which is how much we put down enough money to last the company six months. And we're like, you know what? If it doesn't work in six months, we're we'll both be broke. All three of us will be broke. <laughs> And uh, we're going to figure. We're going to go work for somebody else, anyways. And so, in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, there's no going back. I already told you earlier, working for somebody or, you know, doing that was not an is not an option for me. Um, so we made it work. Five months in, we're, we're almost out of cash. Our bank account is dwindling. We're almost out. All the money that we put in is almost gone. And uh, as luck would have it, we'd land uh, our first client. They didn't pay us a lot. But we landed our first client. That first client allowed us to land our second client. And then that second client allowed us to land our third client, which is actually a substantial contract. At the time, it still it was still would be a substantial 
you know, deal at the, even in today in, in storage bug standards. But at the time, we're like, oh, man, we could, this, this thing might work. And so uh, that boost of confidence, that boost in revenue that allowed us to keep the lights on a little bit longer uh, led us to make some serious decisions and say, you know what? There really is no plan B. This is it. We're going to make this work. And so we uh, pumped all the rest of our resources in Storage Pug and uh, delivered those projects. And all of those projects, of course, helped expand the next. You know, we've got two, three. Now we have four, five, ten clients. So at the time, we're like, whoa, we have ten clients. And I remember I remember this conversation with Matt. And I, and I think Richard was there, too. I remember this conversation. Like, if we had $20,000 in MRR, we would be set. You know, if you're looking back now, like, of course, like, you know, 20, now 20 MRR, don't get me wrong. If you're, if you're in startup phase and you're not quite at 10, 20 MRR yet, you will get there and it's going to feel really good, but it won't feel as good as you think it did. <laughs> Cause when we, you know, when we were making zero MRR, we we're like 20 K, we can pay all the bills. We can do all of this. We can expand, we can grow. Uh, and, and looking back, of course, how naive we were, but, uh, 20 doesn't last you long. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really important point. It's working with startups or working with companies who are making changes. I focus on end goals and where they want to be in a couple of years. But you have to set those short-term things that you're striving for because, one, it's more attainable. You're going to get to it sooner, and you need some of those wins. But you're absolutely right. Once you get there, I like what one person said. He goes, I still have the same number of problems every day when I get up. They're bigger. I just earn more because of them. <laughs> that, that That's exactly it, right? I think, like, those little wins help propel future wins, right? And <laughs> it makes all the problems not as big as, the, as they would be, right? And I think that was... I don't know. I don't know that we were smart enough to do it intentionally, but I'm glad it worked out that way. And then we've come to learn that okay, let's set small milestones uh, because eventually it becomes not just about you, or the founder. It becomes about your team, and it becomes about everyone else. And everyone else has their own goals and passions and and dreams, right? And and, and it's important to make sure that um, I don't know that the company, you know, philosophically, I don't know the company needs to meet all of those things for all those people. But if they're here. It should be a place that they can explore what the, what they care about professionally, right? And a place that they can enjoy working, a place that they can uh, achieve their goals, you know, and their lifelong dreams and all those mm-hmm. kinds of things. I think Storage Pug can be a place for that. It doesn't need to be a place for that for everybody, but the ones who align most with those goals, they do the best, right? And and, and ultimately, Storage Pug wins from that. But no, setting those goals are huge, and yeah, like you said. I think the the problems don't go away. The problems don't get easier. Uh, and, you know, that was another naive thing we thought in the early days. was like, hey, once we get to this level, we don't have to think about this anymore. Oh, it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> the thing that we didn't, we hope we didn't have to think about is actually just bigger. It's actually evolved. It's actually morphed into something totally different. Uh, and uh, which is all part of the fun and all part of the challenge too, right? I think as long as you realize that eventually, I'm glad we realized it when we did. As long as you realize that eventually, then uh, it won't feel for, – for us, it, it, it doesn't feel as hopeless. It's like, okay, we've graduated. We've gotten to the next level, right? Uh, and, and for us, like five years into the business, we're at the place now where the storage Rottweilers are coming. We, you know, we're storage pug, and we're, we're, we, we had been the leading provider for a while, but now there's other people coming on board, and uh, those people want to replicate what we've done which I think is really cool. And part of that means that they're going to go after our client base. 
They're going to poach our people. And uh, those are the problems that we didn't think that we would have four years ago. <laughs> and so here we are now. And uh, surprise, surprise. But I think that's that's all part of what makes it really fun and makes it really enjoyable. Yeah, that is the key is, is finding the joy in all of it and just recognizing it is a learning experience. One of the things is this element you always have had this piece of how important the people are around you and building the right team. What has that been like? Have you had to make changes? Has finding the right people with the right values to fit into the culture that you've built can't be easy. Ooh, yeah. If it was easy, everybody would do it, right? I think that's that, that, <laughs> I think that's the um, that's a found that's that's you know you're talking about keys to success, right? Luck having a support system and uh, having the right people, that's your third ingredient. You can't you can't get there without it. I guess you could, but it'd be very hard and it'd be very painful. And uh, we have learned a lot of lessons in that front. We've, we've brought people on that we trusted that were great for where they were. They were a great fit when the company was two years old. They were no longer a great fit when the company was four years old because we talked about just a moment ago, the problems didn't go away. They just changed. They just morphed. They just got bigger. And the person who was an amazing problem solver in year two, all of a sudden, they didn't keep up and the problems outclassed them and got too big for them in year four. And we've we've had to make some, some of those tough calls like, hey, this is no longer a fit. And we just had to be real about it. Uh, some we were proactive about. Some we didn't know. Some people, uh, sometimes you bring on right people. And, uh, again, they they great for a while. And then it becomes no longer a fit. And if you don't realize that sooner than later, it could spoil a lot of other things. And that, that you know, I wouldn't, I'll make it sound way more dramatic than it probably really was. But we did have some of those moments where, yeah, I mean, this person, amazing fit, love them awesome treated our people well but then when they no longer were doing those things it was uh it was very clear that there was a virus in the ecosystem right uh and and we had to get we had to get rid of the virus but then on the flip side man i tell you we've lucked into some of the best people that if i were to start a company over i if i were to say you know what we're gonna shut shut down storage pug we're gonna do again there are very many. There are definitely people on the team that I'd say, "Hey, let's let's go do this again." Right? Uh, we've got world class, uh, like literally world class people who are I would consider the leader in their in their field working at Storage Pug, and it's like cool. That's amazing, right? And so I think our job when when we do find those people is to make them feel so loved and supported. But I think more important than that is get out of their freaking way uh, and just. Let them be them, uh, because the reason why they're amazing is that they are not—they're not, not just executing orders; they're bringing ideas to be executed. Right? They have that magical gift of ideation and execution. A lot of people have wonderful ideas, but they can't execute. We don't need that. A lot of people can execute, and we, we do need those people. We do need people who can get things done when things need to get done. But that magical combination of someone who has brilliant ideas and can help fulfill and execute and help other people execute, that's that's what I'm talking about. So we do we are very lucky to have some of those people and uh, that's allowed me to focus my energies on other parts of the business when I know that that 
part of the machine is humming along and crushing it and not have to worry about that, now I can shift my spotlight over here. And uh, it's amazing. So, yeah, I cannot de- – I can't emphasize how strong and how important it is to find the right people to help you grow. That's just – no other words to describe it. It's amazing. That evolution in talent is so critical to success – to your point, because the problems are bigger, they're morphed into something more significant. Because what was a small problem before now is a lots of small problems jammed together for lots of people. With your organization and leadership recognizing that we have to morph as well, and that means different talent, different levels of talent we have to bring into that. So, congrats to you because that is a piece I think that is. Your awareness of that is really essential for you for your continued growth. And I know you guys are going to do that. So, so as a call to action, if you're listening to the audience, right? I mean, right now, uh, we're firing on all cylinders across all teams. So whether it's the sales organization, our marketing team, our client success team, our development team, uh, even like support staff, right? Like uh, thinking about business ops, you know, uh, all HR, all of those things. We're firing on all cylinders at all of those positions. And last fall, we brought on a our first HR manager, and she's been. I, man, I wish I, I wish we had her, like, year one, right? I don't know that we would have needed her in year one, but I, we, I'm sure she would have found a way to be useful, kind of thing, right? And uh, been absolutely incredible. And she's been tasked with helping us recruit and hire and find talent across the entire organization. So if you are one of those really cool people, right, and, and you feel like you are a an idea person, but you're also an executor, like, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to know you. Uh, and if you're doing a cool project that uh, uh, you know, the, 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 maybe you are at that, the, the, you're in your first 18 months and you don't know if you want to continue doing this because <laughs> you're going to have those days, uh, you know, when you're, when you're uh, eating the, your, your fifth bowl of ramen that week. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like there will come a time where um, – now I do love ramen, so this is a bad example because I, I can eat ramen all the time. But if you're eating your fifth bowl of ramen that week and you're like, man, I could use some some real food here, um, you will have those times. Uh, but I'd love to meet you too because I think there is a, uh, a sense of support because we have that. I have that still today of people encouraging you and being kind to you, uh, putting wind in your sail uh, when you can't get it elsewhere. I mean, that could be what it takes for someone to say, I'm going to shut down doors and close up shop or the person who's going to clock in again and put the grind back on, right? So uh, whether you're looking for your next career opportunity and want to join a high-growth company and who cares about execution and cares about uh, treating people well, I'd love to meet you. Or if you're just out there on the grind and you want to chat with somebody who could uh, give you a little loving and support, I I want to meet you there too. So. There you have it. That's my call to action. Awesome. So how do people find you, Tommy? Easy peasy. Tommy at storagepug.com. That's my email. They can also uh, shoot me a text message, 865-413-4050. I try to be extremely diligent with email, but I'm more diligent with text messages. Uh, So 865-413-4050. I'd love to meet you. Excellent. Do you have any last nugget that you you would offer up? I'm just going to not say startup, but really any business owner. What's 
Is there anything that you just really, when you talked about culture and things like that, but anything else? I, I, I know we've, t- we've really, really talked a lot about kindness, but I think like all the things that we've gone through and the way that we built the storage pug and the way that we've built our company, that's not a recipe, right? It's not a step-by-step. You can't go replicate that. There's other pieces. There's timing. We hit the market just right. You can't do that every time. Uh, there's grit, of course. Uh, there's luck, right? And so there's all these. So you can't just like look at how one company built their business and then rebuild yours. You have to have a foundation that you know that no matter what happens, no matter what the market is doing, no matter what kicks you in the teeth, no matter who comes behind you and pulls the rug out from under you, you have to have that core foundation that what you believe in is always going to be true. And so for me and for us, that's kindness. And that is treating people well. And so when we do hit hard times, and we have hit hard times, we almost ran out of money in our first year, uh, which we almost we were almost one of those businesses who shut their doors within their first 12 months, right? Uh, but we always knew that there was something behind. There's always something uh, to uncover left. And so, yeah, so while there's no true recipe and there's no way to replicate what we've done here, there's the ways to do it for you and the way that you can do it even better uh, because you only only you can do it the way that you do it, right? And so I think having that foundation, whatever it is that you believe in to be true, no matter what, uh, find that. Because once you find that, all the rest will fall into place. Famous last words. <laughs> I just can't uh, say how much I appreciate you being on here today. Thank you, Tommy. Bob, thanks for having me on, and thanks for all the the loving that you do in the Knoxville area. And I know you 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 coach and mentor lots of, of business owners and. Uh, I know they're better for it because of you. So thank you for having me on, sir. Thank you, Tommy.